I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. On this episode of Newt's World, there is so much happening in our country right now, and many of you have questions. As part of my Inner Circle Club, I hold regular video meetings where you can ask your questions. Today, I met with my Inner Circle, and there were so many great questions that are so timely for what's going on right now, that I thought it was the best way to share with you what I'm thinking about as I watch a really remarkably chaotic period in America. I hope you will find it informative. You can join my inner circle at newtsinnercircle.com. Let me start on a sad note. Sheldon Adelson, who was a remarkable entrepreneur, started out as a paper boy in Boston, worked his way up, ultimately ended up as one of the wealthiest men in America and always fought for policies that would let other people have a chance to rise, to do well. He also was very, very close to Israel, very close to Bibi Netanyahu, the current prime minister. And he and his wife, Miriam, were major investors in fighting drugs, helping with drug rehabilitation, and in endowing a medical research foundation that has amazing reach and that combined his entrepreneurial spirit with the best of science. He will be badly missed. He was one of the most important Republican supporters in the entire country in terms of his generosity and his commitment. He was a good friend to both Clist and me, and our prayers go out to Miriam and the family in the passing of Sheldon. I just wanted to start and say that because he was a remarkable friend. And of course, we live in a period when 
So many of us have friends who are threatened by COVID and have other sorts of health problems. We are in a very strange period. Those of you who are Inner Circle members know that I have been sort of giving you brief commentary almost every day. And I have to tell you, it takes hours to try to understand what's going on. You look at Nancy Pelosi rushing to impeach the president eight or nine days before he's going to leave anyway. You wonder what's motivating her. You look at President-elect Biden, who said, this is a time for us to put our divisions behind us and to work together. And you wonder whether he ever talks to Pelosi, because they're certainly on two very different tracks. And he either has no influence or doesn't want to have any influence over the craziness of the House Democrats. Earlier this week, the House Democrats adopted a new set of rules of the House, which eliminated 29 words, including mother, father, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, just go down the list. It's the kind of nutty radicalism that the average American does not understand. And I suspect a lot of those Democrats, 217 of them, who voted yes for that new set of rules, are going to find it impossible to explain and defend them back home. So that's going on. At the same time, I think we are faced with the opportunity being taken by our opponents on the left to go all out to try to destroy the conservative movement. Not only are they trying to destroy President Trump, but they're also working very hard to eliminate people from Twitter, from Facebook, to cut off their ability to get jobs. I've never seen anything like the level of ruthlessness and the desire to go out and destroy people that we're seeing on the left. They use as an excuse the violence which I have condemned at the Capitol last Wednesday. But these are the same people who all summer were quiet while Black Lives Matter and Antifa were burning down entire neighborhoods, destroying private businesses, trashing entire streets. Somehow that was all okay. And in fact, some of the TV commentators even talked about the fact that it was okay to have a little violence with your protests. Now, suddenly, last Wednesday, not only is horrible, and by the way, it was horrible, it is wrong. As a former Speaker of the House, I'm very angry that they would desecrate what should be the center of freedom on the planet. But at the same time, the level of hypocrisy and the intensity of their condemnation and the fact that they're clearly using this as an excuse to try to destroy the conservative movement, which remember, that 74 million votes, won an increased share of the U.S. House of Representatives, won an increased share of state legislatures, picked up a governorship, and came very close to keeping control of the Senate. In fact, they still have 50 seats in the Senate. Only the vice president vote by Kamala Harris is going to give the Democrats control. So you look at all that and you think, how are you going to unify America if you have half the country being told that it's unacceptable, that it should be unemployable, that it should not be allowed to be on Twitter or Facebook, et cetera. And I think we're in a very dangerous period, and I don't right now see an easy way out of it. I also think we're in a dangerous period in terms of dealing with COVID. The public bureaucracies of this country are not very competent, and they're not getting the job done very well. And we are way behind schedule on distributing the vaccine. Ironically, it turned out you could develop the vaccine within a year, as President Trump said, but they didn't have a parallel 
distribution scheme that really works. At the same time, I just read a study that in Iceland, they've had only six deaths. Now, it's a very small country, but they responded very early. They adopted very carefully tracked policies of finding out who has a disease, what do we need to do about it, how do we isolate them. They had seven weeks of shutdown one time and got the disease under control. And since then, they've done such a good job that they actually are now open for tourism. They've had people from some 46 countries come to Iceland as tourists in the last few months because they know that if they tried to lock the whole country down very long, they would go bankrupt. You know, it's not a big enough country to withstand the kind of insanity that we're seeing in New York and Illinois and California. So again, it's a reminder of just the challenge we are faced with. Finally, in Chicago, the school superintendent has said if teachers don't show up, they're going to be counted as leave without pay, and they're going to start losing their salaries. That only took months and months and months. Overall, there are a lot of challenges ahead of us. I am very concerned about our inability as a country to have a serious news media, have a serious conversation, whether it's about China or it's about education reform or it's about election reform or about getting our bureaucracies so they're competent or fighting corruption. The FBI has reported they're investigating one scheme where several hundred million dollars may have been stolen on the internet by Nigerians who figured out a way to take some of the supplemental money that came out and divert it to phony accounts. So we have a lot of work to do and we are going to continue to develop these things. And I find it very helpful to get your questions and your ideas and hear from you. And so that's part of why we do these, is to have a genuine interaction. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., that's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. So let me start by turning to Debbie and asking her if she's got some questions that people have already emailed in. Yes. One question we got from a lot of people, some in the inner circle, some from Facebook. Can you please explain your newsletter comments about Vice President Pence being brave in his actions? And could Pence do what President Trump was asking him to do? That's a superb question. I'm glad to answer it. First of all, I thought whether you agreed or disagreed with his decision, he clearly made it on his own. And I thought that that took courage. And I thought it was important to remember, the vice president swore an oath to the Constitution. He didn't swear an oath to the Republican Party. He didn't swear an oath to the president. He swore an oath to uphold the Constitution. I've known Mike for years, since 1988. And I am convinced that he did what he thought was right, and that he thought it was his duty to do that. And I was delighted to note that he and the president have met and have talked, and they are going to work together through the rest of the term. So I think the anger that the president had, the frustration that the president had, may have burned out a little bit since then. But I would also point out to people, had Pence tried to do what the president wanted him to do, he just would have been overruled by the House and Senate. The fact is, they didn't have enough proof to convince members that they should block the states from having their electors seated. And therefore, in the absence of that proof, people were going to vote by substantial numbers to overturn, to block the vice president from unilaterally on his own making that decision. Furthermore, we have no evidence ever in American history that the founding fathers wanted one person to decide who was going to be president. And they set up a process that included the House, it included the Senate, and included the state legislatures. It's a very elaborate process. And I think it would have been a huge mistake to have had one person decide that they were going to insert themselves and make that decision. An overarching question for many people as well. When we don't control the presidency, the Senate, and the Congress, what can be done about removing social media's immunity from lawsuit by being classified as a public carrier? And can you explain Section 230? There are two parts of this that have emerged. One is Section 230, which is a protection to internet companies that they can carry material without being sued because they're not publishers. And there's a very good argument that that section, in fact, is now obsolete, and we should get rid of it. But there's an even better argument 
that the big internet companies are such an oligopoly, they're so narrowly controlling, that in effect, they are an arm of the government. And that the courts have ruled over and over again, that the Congress and the government cannot get the private sector to do what the government can't do. So the whole issue of freedom of speech, I think, is going to come back to bite them. I was delighted that Parler filed a lawsuit. I think there'll be more lawsuits being filed. And I also am delighted to report that I'm already talking with a number of conservatives who are putting together an alternative. So you'll presently have a conservative alternative to Facebook, a conservative alternative to Twitter, and I think they will grow very rapidly. And I think people will be shocked how many people leave those large institutions and go to these new, freer, more honest, and more open systems. Which do you think is the correct path going forward on social media? And this question is from Alex. There's two types of proposals. Accept the break, and as you were saying, build a separate infrastructure that can accommodate conservatives and continue to protect free speech, or be malleable, take note of what they're doing, but try to bring everybody together to work within their system. Which approach do you think is the correct one? I think you are much safer to have competition. We've always had a distrust in America of really big systems. We distrusted the railroads when they were at their peak. In fact, the original reform movements were very often against the railroads. We distrusted Standard Oil when it was essentially a monopoly. We have distrusted IBM when it was virtually a monopoly. We distrusted AT&T when it was a monopoly. So I think we've had a long tradition of saying we want competition and we don't trust the government to try to regulate these big companies because the big companies ultimately simply undermine the government and manipulate it and they place their people in key positions. And I've recently experienced this in trying to get 5G worked out as a form of internet communications, because I've watched particularly AT&T with its huge amount of muscle and its giant lobbying system do everything it could to protect it from any competition. These big companies don't like competition. And I think competition is good because it gives you, the consumer, the ability to choose. It puts you in the key pace and nothing, I think, keeps a system honest as fast as competition. Terry from Missouri asks, what are you and Gingrich360 doing to try to prevent your losing the ability to communicate with us? We need you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, one of the things we're doing is encouraging everybody to sign up for the newsletters because our three newsletters, which go out every week for free, they're housed in such a way that none of the big internet companies can cut them off. So that's part of our fallback plan. We also have a fallback plan for our podcasts, which do not come out through the big internet companies. And so we hope that we're going to be able to stay in touch. Now, to be honest, it's a huge advantage to have over 2 million people on Twitter and over a million people on Facebook. And it lets us have a reach in saying things and in communicating with people that is valuable and that I've tried to use virtually every single day. But as an absolute final fallback, I would urge you, if you don't already get it, to go to Gingrich 360 and sign up for the newsletters. That will help you continue. Similarly, we can reach you directly through Inner Circle without anybody being able to cut it off. So we're consciously working on that. And we're talking with a lot of other conservatives about establishing some competitive systems that will enable us to reach millions of people, 
in direct competition with these big companies. What is being done to investigate involvement by Antifa and Black Lives Matter members as part of the violence at the Capitol last week? And this is from Sharon from California, who feels part of this was a setup. I do feel like the people who were violent in no way resembled your normal Trump supporter. But what I would suggest is that the FBI is very deeply into this. I think they've already arrested 50 or 60 people. They're looking at the videos. They're trying to track people down. And I think over the next week or two, we'll learn a great deal about who is doing this. And frankly, people who are violent on the right are just as bad as people who are violent on the left. There are more people on the left who are violent. But there are some small groups on the right that are very violent. And we have to be prepared to oppose those fully as much as we would oppose people on the left who are violent. Here's another one that we got a lot of feedback on for you to talk about and address. A lot of people are very frustrated and very angry with the Republican Party. So Inner Circle member Paul kind of summed it up and he wants to know, what's your take on the direction of the party in the next two years? And how do we get them to be more in touch with the people and what the people are concerned about? They feel very tone deaf to what the people are saying. And how do we unify it? Well, Paul, let me say, first of all, that I have been active since August of 1958, between my freshman and sophomore years in high school. I've been doing this a long time, and I share your frustration. One of the reasons Trump got nominated in 16 was that people were fed up with the Washington leadership of the Republican Party. And I think it'll be very interesting in the next few months to see whether or not the party gets it at all. I, I can tell you that Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House, clearly gets it. He went out and recruited very intelligently. We have the largest number of minority members and the largest number of women members in history. I think he has a sense that you have to be a people-oriented Republican Party and have to represent people if you're going to be successful in doing this. You can't just be a country club party. You can't just be a corporation party. But I also think that the culture of Republicans is a real problem. The Democrats, because they represent trial lawyers and union leaders, they're very used to fighting. And their instinct is to fight. Watch what they're doing right now in trying to destroy the president. I mean, they're just really used to fighting. Republicans, who tend to come out of more orderly backgrounds, tend to have sort of a managerial attitude of let's get together and let's be reasonable. You know, let's do a PowerPoint presentation. Now, luckily, we have among younger Republicans had a number of veterans from Afghanistan and Iraq and elsewhere serve. I think that's giving us a little more of a taste of what we need to be. But there is a real problem that the culture of the Republican Party, I think, isn't as attuned to people as it should be. And that that was one of the great things that Trump brought in 2015 and 16 was an instinctive understanding of who his supporters were and what they really wanted and his willingness to stand with his supporters against the establishment. Mark from Virginia asks, where do we go from here? He agrees with the podcast you did called Bipartisan Baloney. He feels it's been madness since the 60s and it's so lopsided, it's crazy. Is there anyone that will lead us back to the foundations of the Republic? And what do we do from here on out? Well, Mark, I would say that's a great question. And the first answer is you. In the state legislature, in local governments, to make substantial gains. And I suspect we will make substantial gains. 
And I think that if you look at how bad the governor of Virginia has been, the Democrats have a pretty bad track record right now. So I would say let's start by beginning to recover in places like Virginia and New Jersey and Kentucky and Louisiana this year. And then in 2022, we're going to have a chance across the whole country to continue to accelerate that recovery. Marietta asks, did you agree with the Supreme Court decision about not wanting to take the election fraud case? Should they have taken it? And if they didn't take the case because they didn't want to influence the election, aren't they influencing the election by not taking the case? Yeah, I thought they were wrong to not take the case, partially because I think what has frustrated the Trump supporters as much as anything is the inability to find a place where you could have an honest conversation about the evidence. And I think people feel like it's been squelched by the news media, it's been squelched by the internet companies, it's been squelched by the courts, and so they feel like they don't have their day in court. And I think that it would have been healthy for the country to have actually had a trial and actually allow people to bring the evidence in and to go through cross-examination and see whether or not they could have made a clear and compelling case. Bruce had sent us a lengthy proposal on a suggestion he had calling for a national revote. Can you talk about would a national revote ever be possible? Would it be possible in this instance? Why not? I think it'd be very hard to do. I actually think we'd be better off to have a significant focused effort over the next four years to tighten up our election laws, starting with a very obvious, simple thing. You ought to have a photo ID that proves who you are. And you should have to prove who you are before you vote. I mean, this idea that you have ballots coming in from everywhere with no signature verification, et cetera, is just an invitation to theft. And so I'm very much for fixing the election laws. But I think, frankly, if we could have one election one time, know that it was honest and know that it was accurate, that would be far and away the best thing we could do. And a follow-up question from David. Do you know what is the strategy to roll back some of these voting changes that happened across the country? I don't think it's as clear as a strategy yet, but I think there are a lot of different people who intend to work on honest, accurate elections. And we're lucky because in 24 states, we have Republicans control both the House and the Senate and the governorship. So we should be able in this coming year to pass some legislation that's effective and actually get things done that really matter. And this question, Mr. Speaker, my question is, can Nancy Pelosi be impeached? And if so, how? No, she could be defeated. That would require, all you have to do is move to vacate the chair. And if you had 218 votes, she'd be kicked out. That happened to Speaker Cannon back in 1909. She has a very narrow majority. I think she's going to be far too radical. And I would not be at all surprised to see Kevin McCarthy become the de facto leader of the majority in the House, just because I think he's president going to be able to win votes against her. John and Arlene ask, what do we know and when can we expect the results of the Durham report? Will Biden be able to suppress the full report? Well, first of all, I think that one of the nominations which Biden has done well is the attorney general. I think almost everybody believes that Mary Gardland is a serious professional an honest person. I was very worried they were going to put in somebody who would be the kind of aggressive, vicious partisan who would have spent the next few years going out and trying to hunt down Republicans. 
I don't think that'll happen now. I suspect they will allow Durham to issue the report that he wants to issue. Every evidence we have is that he's a serious person. He was substantially slowed down by COVID, but I've not heard any reports that in any way indicate he's backing off. And so I suspect in the next couple of months we'll learn a great deal and that it will probably involve some people that will surprise us. A what if question from Glenn in California. What if Trump stepped down and made Pence president? Could Pence then pardon any or all of Trump's accused offenses? He could certainly pardon Trump. But if I were Trump, I would be very cautious about that because that implies there's something he has to be pardoned for. I think he's probably better off to fight it out. I know there are elements that would like to go after him, but he's been in lawsuits most of his business career. He understands lawsuits. I would just be very cautious. I think it'd be very hard to run in 24 if he got pardoned because it would have a presumption that there was something that had to be pardoned. And I think if he wants to run in 24, then he needs to be prepared to fight to win the argument and prove to people necessary in courts of law that he was, in fact, innocent and not guilty. Damien from California asks, I'm a believer in supply-side economics, thus concerned about a government controlled by liberals and high taxes and increased government regulations. What do you expect from Congress and its impact on our GDP over the next two years? Well, I suspect we'll go back to the Obama-Biden tradition of too many regulations, too much taxation, too many favors for big unions, too much crony investment in firms that don't work. Those were the hallmarks of the Obama period for eight years. And I suspect that the economy will be substantially weaker than it would have been under President Trump. Remember also, though, in the short run, if the vaccines get out and turn out to be working, and you have a dramatic decline in COVID by summer, you have so much money that's been given away by the government, you're going to get a boom at least for a while. So they may have a much better economy for a year or two, just because of all the pent up demand and all the money that the government's been handing out to people. But I suspect that the instinct of the Biden team to adopt policies that slow economic growth, kill jobs, and make it harder for us to get ahead. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? 
we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Newt, I was wondering if you were in a position to do a new contract with America, what items would you have on it? In other words, what should the Republican platform be? What should we be uniting behind as our policies? It's a great question. Some of them are obvious. We ought to be uniting behind honest elections. We ought to be uniting behind very dramatic and deep educational reform that applies to every American because we're going to have millions of Americans who need to be retrained as the economy evolves. I would personally like to see a very dramatic shift towards solving the challenges of aging and solving the challenges of things like Alzheimer's, which are enormous, both human problems, but also financial problems. I think that we have to confront how bad our bureaucracies are. I think, frankly, there should be some commission that looks at the whole public health process over the last year and recognizes that This has been a disaster. We've gotten mixed advice, confused advice. The Center for Disease Control in many ways failed to do its job. The whole mix of state and local public health services are too bureaucratic and too slow. And I think that we have a lot of reasons to believe that if you compare what we're doing with, say, South Korea or Taiwan or Singapore or New Zealand or... Iceland, that there are a lot of lessons we should be learning to reform our system before we get to another pandemic. You said the the Republicans need to fight more. And I was looking for things specifically in quotes that Trump said. And what I saw was everything that he said to talk about fighting more, the media took and twisted it and made it sound like he was asking for the violence that actually happened. And so how how can we change that? I think you can fight over words and fight over principles. I think, for example, the fact that the Republican Party has not yet really taken head on, the fact that they have 217 Democrats in the House who voted to abolish mother and father. Now, how many districts do you think, if every citizen understood 
that their representative was so whacked out that they were prepared to abolish mother and father, son and daughter, aunt and uncle. I mean, this is lunacy. I just talked to a very sophisticated person a couple of hours ago. He had no idea they'd done that. I blame the Republican Party. I mean, we've got to learn to be much better at taking things and getting them to people. How many Americans know that the bureaucracy is so incompetent that some Nigerians stole several hundred million dollars in funds that were supposed to go to Americans? Just go down the list of these kinds of things. Cuomo's record in New York. The Republican Party in New York ought to figure every possible angle to go after Cuomo every day because he's terrible as a governor. But he gets great press. The New York press corps likes him. So he's, he's sort of propped up no matter how bad he is. But you look at the stuff he's been doing, it's pretty goofy. And it's killed people. Well, his policy towards nursing homes literally killed several thousand senior citizens. And we should be driving those kind of messages. Hi, Newt. Hello. I am a stay-at-home homeschool mother with two teenage children. And we've had lots of good discussion over the last few months. But the one question that keeps coming up for my children is, how can we get an explanation from our judicial branch? They feel let down. And so we're writing letters, but... I'm just curious from you, should they give us an explanation on why they refused to hear or even look at any of the election irregularities? If you actually pull up their various judgments, they have explanations in each judgment. But in addition, I think it'll be great for your kids as part of their education. Write the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court a personal letter and say, we're studying this. Would you be willing to help explain to us exactly why you made that decision. I think that would be a great test of the system. I'm delighted you're homeschooling them. I hope that they will tackle that, and I hope they'll get an answer. Mr. Speaker, how does America control taxation and reduce expenses to recover from the recent giveaway economic stimulus plans of the Obama and Trump eras? Look, I was in favor of whatever it took to get through this period, because I think this is the biggest challenge since World War II. And living in Italy, as I have with Callista as ambassador of the Vatican, we've watched close up what happened here. So I don't begrudge, in general, the kind of resources that went out to help people survive getting through this. I think once we come out of this, and this is where I think those of us who believe in supply-side economics worry about the kind of Biden- Obama, Kamala Harris, liberal approach to the economy, we need very deep, dramatic economic growth in order to generate the resources to pay down the debt and to get things back under control and to get back to a balanced budget. And my worry is that basically they're going to find themselves in a situation where the only way they can handle it, given liberal economic doctrine, is going to be to have a lot of inflation and basically inflate away the debt by making the dollar cheaper. I think that's a disaster for most Americans. It makes life much harder. When Jimmy Carter tried it, it just collapsed his presidency. So I think we'd be much better off once we come out of this pandemic to go to much more structural reform, significant tax cuts, real incentives to get economic growth. And I think that's almost the opposite of what we're likely to get out of Biden and the Democrats. 
First of all, thank you so much. We are so grateful to you for everything you do. Clearly, Biden is cognitively impaired and intellectually handicapped. He must know that he is a puppet whose strings are controlled by the Democratic Party. The strategy must be simply that he will be declared incompetent within six months and Harris will take over. What do you think, sir? I've watched him on days when it's been a little bit strange and I wonder what was going on. I would say he's performed pretty well since the election, but much better than I thought he would. And I think he's probably in charge right now. So we'll have to wait and see. I don't think it's as obvious or as easy as some people might think. I think that he's actually in some places been very thoughtful. And I think has overall had, while I disagree with a couple of his choices, particularly the Secretary of Health and Human Services, who's radically pro-abortion and who has consistently sued the Little Sisters of the Poor, and I'm basically against suing nuns. But overall, his appointments have not been as radical as I would have guessed, and I don't think it's the kind of cabinet that would be inclined to execute the 25th Amendment unless it was absolutely unavoidable. So I'd have to say he's done better than I expected in the opening weeks, because I would have thought, given his performance in the campaign, I would have thought he would look more impaired than he has during this period as of transition. Good morning. Thank you for doing what you do. I was wondering if you could tell us why young Americans from 14 to 34 are so fascinated with socialism as opposed to capitalism. Thank you. It's a great question. And sadly, the answer is we gave up control of the schools to left-wing cuckoos and they define the language, they define the curriculum, they define the reading guide. You end up with an amazing number of young people who are brainwashed up through college and graduate school. And that's been a major factor in the shift of America to the left. You cannot understand what has happened in this country without understanding how far to the left the teachers unions are and how far to the left the college faculty is. It's a real challenge. As Ronald Reagan once said, it isn't what they don't know that scared him. It's what they know that isn't true. And that's, I think, the case of modern American education all too often teaches people things that are just plain not true, but that's what they get graded on. And so they learn to say it and they learn to believe it is true. It's, I think, a huge challenge to our survival in the long run as a country. Let me thank all of you for joining us today. I hope you find this useful. If you do find the regular reports that we send out by audio and the other things we're doing with the Inner Circle, I'd be delighted if you want to share those with your friends and encourage them to join the Inner Circle. I found it's been a very, very useful organization to help me stay in touch. And I think uh, we'll continue to do these kind of events probably more frequently as we get into the Biden period and have lots and lots of stuff to talk about. So thank you very, very much for joining today. Thank you to the members of my Inner Circle Club. You can learn more about the Inner Circle and sign up at newtsinnercircle.com. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Craftsman Truck Series Racing live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.